This episode of Ghost Stories is brought to you by Fed Group, a diversified financial services group offering a range of financial products across investment, long-term insurance, lending, and fiduciary services. Fed Group Financial Holdings Pty Limited is a licensed controlling company and entities within the group are authorized financial services providers. Established in 1990, Fed Group has grown into a specialist financial services provider with over 10 billion rand in assets under management and administration. I was joined on the show by Grant Field, the group CEO of Fed Group since 2015, having worked in the group since 2002. We talked about a range of topics related to Fed Group, but we focused on impact investing and the unique product range that Fed Group offers in this space. Innovators in the impact investing space, Fed Group has extensive experience and expertise in alternative investments, specifically within the renewable energy and smart agri sectors. Combining the specialist expertise with their established licenses and offerings, Fed Group has the capabilities to structure new investment offerings, such as their specialist endowment portfolios, creating unparalleled value for retail and institutional investors. As always, nothing you hear on this podcast should be interpreted as advice. This is for informational purposes only. Welcome to another episode of the Ghost Stories podcast. I'm really looking forward to this because I've been keeping an eye on uh, what the good people of Fed Group have been up to with their impact investing from afar. There's some very interesting stuff. And today we're going to get into it and delve into it and learn a lot from Grant Field, the CEO of Fed Group. Grant, welcome to Ghost Stories. It's really good to have you here. Yeah, good morning, Ghost, and really good to be on this podcast. So Fed Group has nothing to do with the Fed as Jerome Powell uh, is busy moving markets as we speak. Non-farm payrolls coming out later this week. I'm giving away when we're recording this, and the Fed is keeping everyone very busy. Fed Group, uh, you're not inflicting any pain on the markets quite like Jerome Powell, so you're probably a bit more popular, Grant. And I think it'll be good uh, for you to actually tell the listeners a little bit more about Fed Group. I think it's one of those brands where people know it, and they know that they know it, but they're not entirely sure necessarily, you know, what is going on behind the scenes. So I think a bit of an intro to Fed Group would be great. Yeah, so I don't think we're uh, as powerful as that other Fed, but we, we're doing our best to, uh, you know, make some changes. We are both an old-fashioned business and a new business all in one. A 32-year-old business that uh, runs some uh, traditional investment type of products. We run everything from money markets and income plus, et cetera, like many other businesses do on the investment side. And we have life insurance, et cetera. So, you know, the old fashioned type of space. Uh, but then we've got a very modern side of the business, much more platform based. Uh, it, it looks at uh, modern assets. Uh, we've even built a modern platform where you can actually buy a physical asset, a, you know, blueberry, a beehive, a solar panel. And, uh, and then, of course, we bring all these worlds together. So that's what Fed Group is in a nutshell. I like it. A little bit of old, a little bit of new. And it's almost like the start of uh, what people get for their wedding. No, I'm kidding. It's, it's very, very interesting what you guys do. And that's why I know about the impact investing, because I think a lot of the marketing you do around it is incredibly interesting. And a lot of what you do is genuinely unique. But I think before we get into understanding more about what Fed Group is doing in that space, I think let's start at the beginning. You know, what is impact investing? Because again, it's one of those terms that people have heard, but they don't necessarily understand what it actually means. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's in some ways quite a simple uh, philosophy. Essentially, you are investing in people, uh, planet and profit. So it really just says that you can invest in something that earns you profits, but can do good as well. Unfortunately, it has been whitewashed or greenwashed by many companies who almost pretend they're doing this type of work and put a little green sticker on everything. So we are not about some of those acronyms. We are about really investing 
in investments that are sustainable uh, and that are making a difference to people while earning your profits. Yeah, I noticed the deliberate avoidance of the acronym ESG there, which I am happy to hear about because I think the worst example I ever saw of that was one of the local hospital groups had raised some sustainability-linked funding, as they called it, and one of the metrics was well-being of the patients. And I thought to myself, okay, we're now starting to seriously stretch the definition of ESG because if a hospital's patients are not having their well-being looked after, then there's no business. You know, at that point in time, we may as well be raising sustainability-linked finance for, I don't know, checkers because people can actually buy groceries. I mean, where do we draw the line here? So the greenwashing point is absolutely right. I'm actually glad you raised it because I was going to ask you about it. So you, you've done the hard work for me there. Yeah, I, I think uh, really when we came about uh, wanting to play in this sort of space, we really just looked at some of the injustices in terms of the way in which investments work. Uh, some of the poorest people can't invest at any sort of uh, rate where they can do well. Much investment is, is, is pushed into the wrong areas. Huge, complex, burdensome layers of waste in, in, in many uh, funds or funds of funds or funds of funds of funds. And, uh, and we really just wanted to say, how, how does anyone get to be able to invest uh, as efficiently as possible with as little waste as possible into something that's good? And then, you know, how, how do we kind of enhance all of that for everyone? And so, yeah, we built Impact Farming uh, and ultimately have built a full investment uh, into Impact Investing on top of it. It's very, very cool. The funds of funds of funds of funds point is uh, well taken here. And of course, there's two financial advisors then sitting behind that and a platform in the middle. And by the time you're done, the asset was yielding 10% and you've paid half of it away in fees. It's, uh, it, sh it should be illegal. Sadly, it's not. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, how does one, you know, fix disclosures? Because it is actually quite a complex issue, you know, like uh, at what level do you stop disclosing? What actually matters is how much does your client make compared to how much they should be making. And unfortunately, there's just too many layers that are not adding value. So a large part of uh, impact investing, if, if it's people and it's, and it's planet, etc., if you can reduce waste, even if you're investing in exactly the same things, just by reducing waste, it's better for people and it's better for planets, it's better for sustainability, it's better for profits. So um, even if you're investing in exactly the same item, just by reducing the waste in the system and increasing that value, you're, you're doing more impact investing. Just come on the warning sticker like on cigarettes. You know, you make 8%, but we're making 4 or whatever the case may be in bright red because the disclosures don't work, right? It's all in the T's and C's and people don't understand it. But that's maybe a discussion for... You know, another day and another topic, because I think what we're going to focus on here is the impact investing side. And I guess obviously one of the questions is, you know, investing with this people, planet, profit angle, the triple bottom line, as it's always been known, do you have to make trade-offs? So can profit actually be maximized like that? Or do you need to go into it knowing that perhaps it's not necessarily the best returns you could get? but there's a feel-good sustainability factor to it. You know, is there always a trade-off? So um, I think that uh, there's not the trade-off that people think there is. Uh, often people seem to think that, well, if you want to make profits, you, you're going to have to start to cut too many corners. And that's not true. What, what you find is that if you, if you, if you bring in, the, like that example we've spoken about now with the funds of funds of funds of funds, even in that example, just by modernizing the way in which you're doing things, just by bringing everyone closer together, you already are improving the sustainability and the impact of that fund without making any changes. And, and, and that becomes then true in terms of uh, all sorts of operations. So if you look at, for example, uh, in the agri type of space, for example, you know, there's good ways of doing things and bad ways of doing things. 
and people were almost brainwashed to think, well, if you do the good for the planet in the more sustainable way, that's going to be bad for profits. It's just not true. Um, we, we have found that you can uh, do things in the right way, in a good way, in a sustainable way, and actually increase your yields rather than having a negative impact. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that's the answer I was kind of hoping for, because I also don't think there's always a trade-off. You can do the right thing and make money, you know. And within the concept of uh, impact investing, there are a lot of different areas. But if I read through some of the materials, it looks like some of your focus areas are things like agriculture. You've already referenced a couple of those. Very specific things as well, blueberries and beehives and all this interesting stuff. Renewable energy is another one. Um, I think it would be good to understand why those sort of focus areas and, and which areas of impact investing do you play in? And are there any specific ones where you decided not to? Would also be interesting to understand that. Yeah, sure. So I, I think that where we really started with, with this was uh, trying to make sure that what we built utilized our old-fashioned capabilities. So as much as this was a newer part of our business, uh, and newer now is about eight and a half years, so you know it's not it's not brand new. But uh, as a business has been around for thirty-two years, we've got a lot of uh, experience in certain areas. And uh, I think maybe three three pillars that we try to focus on. One was we wanted to be specialists in in, in the areas in which we in which we focus. So, you know, impact investing is broad uh, and, and we wanted to, and, and investing is even broader, and we wanted to make sure that we, we got a little bit specialist in terms of what we did. The second thing was um, we wanted that, that impact component we've spoken of. So not only do we want to be specialist in terms of the assets, but we, we wanted it to have an impact and people was the first one. So how do we have an impact on people? Well, if our clients can earn more, that's already. But if every single time you're investing, you're employing more people, etc., uh, you know. And then, of course, the, the the planet part in terms of impact. And then finally, what we wanted was physical assets. So as much as we live in a world these days where everything is in the cloud and ethereal and non-physical, humans are still very physical beings. We, we, we all still work out of property. Even if we're working from home, there's a property involved. We still uh, drink water, we still eat food, we still need energy. In fact, the, the very computers that digitize everything are still made out of silica, right? So we, we recognize that there's this physical world and we, and we, and we really try to specialize then on, in bringing the virtual uh, and connecting it with the physical. So we've got a strong internet of things capability, a strong machine learning capability, really looking at these physical assets with our specialist capability uh, and then uh, just bringing those uh, to consumers in, in really convenient and uh, efficient ways. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good point. We all have this physical space, right? I mean, you're sitting there with this very impressive looking flow chart behind you. I'm sitting here with my two cats in the background behaving poorly on my new couch, very distracting. But you're right. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. You need a physical space somewhere. So property investing, that kind of understanding, it makes a lot of sense. And obviously property is a different asset class entirely, right? In its purest form, property. And the focus is very much on yield. It's very much on tangible asset value. I mean, that's how property investors think. They're not trying to build goodwill and brand value and, and that kind of thing. It's completely different to operating companies that eventually hopefully trade at a decent multiple of profit. How does the expertise in the property space really tie into what you're doing in an impact space? So for example, you know, do the investments have a kind of yield flavor to them? For, you know, as a good example of, of, of something from property that might have come across. Yeah, so I, I think that um, if one looks at anyone's portfolio, you've got your various different asset classes. Maybe you've got some sort of uh, highly liquid assets such as a sort of cash or money market. You, you, you might have, um, you know, some equity, of course, uh, in, uh, in your portfolio. 
perhaps aiming at higher returns and while still uh, having that liquidity that you can pull out your money at any, at any, at any single point. But th these physical assets uh, are less liquid, right? They're, they're designed to, to take a, a longer term view on what's going on. And then they've got certain characteristics that uh, make them less speculative. You know, so we often talk of, for example, equity being a liquid asset. I mean, by the time you've woken up, uh, is it really liquid when you've lost all, half your portfolio? Uh, you, you know, Or if you can actually sell it. If yes. you've never been on the wrong side of the bid offer spread on a JC small cap, you'll know it's not so easy. Correct. And, and so, you know, I think that one wants to build a portfolio that, that um, suits your liquidity requirements, suits your various different requirements. And, and we believe that these physical assets have a place to play. And what you find is that they're driven by market fundamentals. So uh, if you look at, for example, in the agri space as, a, as an example, you in the South African market are, are, are investing in something that essentially has uh, offshore offtake and therefore you ending up with a, a natural currency hedge and that, you know, if Iran does badly, people are buying your, your agriculture, et cetera, off, offshore and you suddenly are hedging. Even though you're buying a local asset, you're actually hedging against uh, what's going on there. If you look at something like solar, it almost becomes an income fund that's linked to uh, expected uh, increases in energy prices over the next few years. Uh, if you look at property, you know I'm hoping it's at the bottom. Gee, it's been a, it's been quite a tough space, but at the same time, one is not investing in property. One is investing in specific properties with specific people who run them well. Much like you don't invest in equities, you invest in specific equities, and you have to look at the the underlying. Uh, you know, fundamentals of the specific equities you're going into. And the same is true of property. So, you know, um, one of our specific or specialist products is what we call our secured investment. And in that product, we give a five-year forward-looking rate. Uh, and for 32 years, we've never missed uh, our promises and what we said we'd be able to deliver on that. Now, uh, if you're looking for certainty and security and you look at that rate today and you're comfortable with that rate, uh, well, the past is not a... A complete prediction of the future, but for 32 years, we've never missed that promise. So I'm looking at your website and I must say it is so incredibly fresh, not just because of the lettuces. It really is just a very cool space. And I mean, I'm going to read some of the examples of things that people can invest in because, I, I you know, we've kind of talking about it high level, but I think people almost need to hear this stuff. So solar panels, that's obviously uh, very topical. Lettuce stacks, beehives, macadamia trees, blueberry bushes, moringa trees, pistachio trees, and nursery saplings which has got to be one of the coolest ideas I've ever heard in my life, actually, the concept of going and investing in, like, the actual saplings sitting in the nursery. I mean, it's fascinating stuff. And some of the returns, it really depends, but you quote here, you know, average annual profit, sometimes it's 10%, sometimes it's 12 The lettuces, for example, are 13 to 15%. And it talks about the seven-year investment term. I just want to dig into some of the stuff. It talks about the number of harvests per year. So, you know, let's say I want and I invest in the lettuce product. I see it's 7,300 Rand per stack. Interesting. So today I learned how much a stack of lettuces costs. So in terms of the number of harvests per year, do those harvests pay out dividends or do you get paid out at the end? Like how does this work in practice ultimately? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, we've got various different ways in which you can participate and get involved in these underlying investments. Uh, what we call impact farming is where you're actually going and buying or having a use of fruct over. So depending on the asset, you're buying or having a use of fruct over the actual asset. 
if you are a more old-fashioned or traditional investor, you may very well go and buy a tax-free savings product which has a portion involved in here. And so the way in which you get your returns will be depending on where you actually enter our ecosystem. But let's, let's talk about the person who comes onto the app, for example, and decides, now I want to buy a lettuce stack. What you're essentially buying there is a physical six meter high stack that grows lettuces. And these lettuces are planted, they grow, and when they're harvested, they are sold. And when they're sold, the income that comes in uh, comes into us. And then we share that uh, income back to the farmer, uh, back to the landowner, because sometimes that's different, back to the investor who's bought that uh, investment, and we take our fees on that side. And lettuce grows every three weeks. So every three weeks or so, there's a new lettuce planted, and we distribute that once a month uh, in terms of the income that's been earned uh, for that month. If you look at something like uh, solar, for example, every single day we're monitoring real-time these solar panels, and uh, once a month we send out an invoice to the tenant. The tenant pays the uh, you know the the charge in terms of the amount of electricity. Uh, actually, it's actually a rental on the panel because you're not actually allowed to sell electricity. So they rent the the panel at a price that's equal to the amount of energy that you produced and uh, once a month we collect that money on your behalf so it's literally as if you're running your own lettuce farm or you, you you've planted your own pistachio tree or you know every one of these little assets your own beehive uh, and then uh, so if you look at a beehive every single time we go and harvest honey that's when you'll get paid and your returns are linked as closely as possible to what's actually happening in the real world so you take on reasonable risk, but you also take on, re you know, you get then a, a higher reward. So if your entire plant or whatever it is, uh, you know, it, let's work on something like a plant because a, a lettuce stack's a little bit more uh, difficult to understand. Let's assume you buy a little tree and your little tree gets burnt down or whatever it is. Well, it's insured. So we just replace it and you get another tree, not a problem. But if, for example, the harvest produces a lower harvest that uh, that season, yeah, you'll get a lower return. Uh, if it's a particularly good harvest, you'll get a higher return. And so you, you take into account uh, the sort of seasonal changes, etc., and you literally become uh, like a farmer, uh, a, a farmer of energy, a farmer of, of honey, a farmer of berries, whatever it is. And yeah, and that, that's literally what, you, that, what you're getting. And those returns that we give you are average uh, nominal returns. What you'll find as well, a tree that's planted today doesn't have its maximum yield in year one. Perhaps it has its maximum yield in year four. But the average returns that we're stating there are uh, realistic, um, so far met. You know, we've met those returns. So you're getting realistic, average returns that have cyclical changes as you would on any crop. So incredibly interesting. And is that return coming back, uh, you touched on some of the tax things. Um, is that return coming back as a dividend? Or is that it's not coming? Is it coming back as interest? What is it coming back as? Yeah, so um, it's coming back as income. So if you're buying in those assets, farming profits, it's literally. farming type of profits, which means of course you can use it in terms of your your tax return. So if you're buying a solar panel, you can actually net it off against a 12B tax allowance, for example. So you know it's literally it's literally like you're running your own little business because you got this asset doing something for you. If you were to then go into the more traditional space, you could go and buy a tax-free product, you can go buy an endowment product. So 
uh, in our endowment space, we've got a, sort of a variable and a fixed endowment. If you buy a fixed endowment, well, then you're going to get the price that 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 we say you're going to get. In other words, this is this is the the tranche that's open right now, and of course, it's made up of all the variable things that are happening underneath there. But you you don't care about that. You're just getting an after tax return because it's an endowment, and therefore. Uh, you know, it's a wrapped product, for example. Let's just unpack the tax-free savings a bit more. So you can buy this in a tax-free savings account. How do you practically do that? Is that through Fed Group? Yeah, so if you want to, uh, you know, we've got a, our traditional business has got every license under the sun almost. I mean, that's, that's one of the things we've built over many, many years. But in essence, if you want a tax-free product, you can either get hold of your broker. So, I mean, we, we work a lot with independent brokers uh, or for clients who want to come direct, they can, they can download the app. And uh, yeah, you literally either fill out an application form or, or go online and uh, fill in an app that you want to buy your tax-free product. And that product at the moment is a 10% uh, guaranteed product. And uh, we believe it's the best in the market. We've done that on purpose. We've worked very, very hard. And uh, we obviously have to make up those returns in terms of the assets that we use. And that's how we do it. It's incredibly interesting. you know. So for anyone thinking of, I don't know, investing on behalf of their children, just as an example, you know, you open a tax-free savings account for your kid. You can, it sounds like, allocate funds into potentially these different projects, you know, earn that tax-free return and just let the thing run for years and years. And you're not, you're just sitting with completely different exposure to anything else you probably have in your portfolio. I mean, I think that's a big part of this, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think that's exactly right. So I certainly know in terms of my, um, you know, if I look at myself, the very first 36,000 Rand that I've got free to save, I put into a tax-free product. I put it into our tax-free product because I think it's the best. And uh, if I look at, for example, my children, every single month their pocket money actually no longer goes into a bank account. It goes into their impact farming wallet. And my kids actually log into the impact farming app, or the Fed Group app. It's not an impact farming app. And they actually choose what they want to do in terms of their investments. And in that app, they can go and buy everything from tax-free to money markets or you know, beehives and, uh, and uh, pistachio trees. You know, we have these conversations and, you know, say to my kids, well, let's have the onshore, offshore conversation because they can also buy on and offshore equities. So it's a very simple product range. There's impact farming and there's investments and they can go in there. Um, and then, for example, we've got endowments, uh, which you'll not find in the app because we believe that by the time you're getting endowments, you should be getting some reasonable tax uh, and or financial advice. So, so for example, even myself, if I, well, I have bought endowments as well. Endowments are quite unpopular in terms of people's thinking because in the past they've been filled with terrible assets and lots of fees. Ours is not like that. We've got a very, very competitively priced endowment with really good assets and it performs really, really well. But you have to buy that then through a financial planner. So this is where we've also navigated nicely to, to realize that financial planners are there to give good advice. And if you want some more complex product, get advice. But if you want to go and buy a simple little product for yourself, go around and play on the app. It's amazing. We've had um, people uh, can can invest in this for as little as a couple of hundred rand with no transactional fees or anything like that. We, we don't charge you any fees on, on any of that because we charge our fees when we lend. And we've had people put in a couple of hundred rand. We've had people put in uh, tens of millions of rands through an app, which is amazing. I think it's brilliant. I really, really do. I think it's fantastic. So this investment term, two years, five years, 10 years, is there no liquidity during that investment term? Is there an ability to sell your little sapling to someone else who wants to come in and buy it from you? Is there a marketplace for this stuff or are you locked in? Yeah. So um, in short, you're locked in. 
that's the way in which we get you really high returns. So it's because we've got the certainty of the money. We're not having to run a liquidity fund, etc. However, you are getting income into your wallet. That's not, so these returns are nominal returns paid into your wallet. Uh, so if you work out that they high returns, I mean, in your head, if you, I mean, you, you know your, your stuff, you'll know these are high returns. And so every single month you're getting your income, you know, every single month or biannually, depending on the asset that you buy, you're getting actual cash in your wallet, which you can then choose to disinvest and do stuff with, or you can choose to go and buy a new asset, or you can go and compound into, you know, more traditional equities and the like. Uh, you can really play around with all of that. But you are stuck in for the term. And that term is typically uh, the lifetime of the product. So, you know, buy a, a new tree and seven years later, that thing would then, you know, be dead uh, or, or sort of pulled out the ground and died. So we, we limit it. So, for example, solar panels, we expect the life to be 25 years. We've limited to 20. We said like there's 20 years, safe years, the end of 20 years, your product is uh, considered over, which means you are getting a, this is where technical knowledge becomes quite complex. And we've tried to make this really simple. But you are essentially getting all your capital back and the returns on top of that because at the end, you've got no asset. You, you buy a tree, you get all the money back you paid for that tree, you get your, 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 your returns on top of that, but at the end, there's no tree left. And then sometimes you'll buy a tree that takes a lot longer to get ready. So we often will sell you, uh, for example, a macadamia, we sell you a tree that's six years old uh, rather than one that's brand new because it only starts yielding returns in year six, for example, and then you, you, you get to use it for a, that's where the use of it comes in. You get to use it for a number of years. Yeah, and that's what that term is. So it's really interesting. So Grant, you've made the point that actually you don't get your capital back as a capital return right at the end. So people will just need to think carefully about their own tax position, I suppose, and just think how that will work for them because they will basically have a capital probably a capital loss over that period actually, and then they'll recognize the income. I mean, we won't get into the technicalities here, and I think for a lot of people, the tax difference is too small to really matter. But obviously, if you want to put big numbers into this, you need to think about this stuff. Yeah, so I think one of the things we've tried to do in terms of building products is to try and make sure it's suitable for the correct audience. So, for example, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, if you wanted an endowment with us, we don't allow that uh, just through our app. You have to have a financial advisor. When it comes to our impact farming products, what we've recognized is that a, a more junior investor uh, most likely won't be earning the, the big income thresholds. Uh, and therefore, if they invest money in and they treat it all as income, it's not going to make a huge difference in their world. For someone who is investing larger amounts, then uh, tax becomes something real, but probably something they're also looking at more carefully anyway. So for example, in solar, when you get that uh, your returns back, you're actually able to use what's called 12B in terms of your tax allowance. And we actually give you a certificate so that you can, you can start to claim back uh, your 12B tax allowance. And every single one of the asset classes have got slightly different nuanced tax treatments. If you want to get quite clever with the way in which you treat your tax, th th there's quite a lot of possibility with these products. Are these underlying returns impacted by prevailing interest rates? Is there any underlying debt anywhere? that would impact the returns based on where yields are? So every single sort of operation, you know, if, if you think of often you've spoken about an operating company versus what's actually happening, obviously the returns that happen uh, on, on actual assets are often affected by what's happening in the operating company. So do their costs go up, their input costs go up, etc. So I think the short answer is that yes, um, interest rate affects everything throughout our economy. Um, but what we're finding is that these, these are quite nice hedges against this. So because 
because interest rates go up, what you end up finding is that inflation is, is also going up and therefore the, the amount that you're getting for these products goes up. So whilst it's affected, you're not typically seeing too many of those effects hitting you in terms of your own investments. It's an interesting point. I guess you're on the right side of food inflation in a lot of these products, aren't you? You're actually positively exposed to food inflation, which is quite a hard thing otherwise to get into your portfolio. Correct. So I think that these are, that's why we say they're an important portion of your portfolio. When, when you're being hit by, for example, inflationary increases, uh, these are on the right side of food inflation. They're also on the right side of currency degrading, etc. So because many of these assets are uh, for export markets, when the rand goes badly, your, your returns are you know, dollar-based in terms of the, the, the offtake and therefore um, ultimately perform better in your own world. It's really interesting. I mean, obviously, the one thing I immediately think of is, okay, how does this stack up against like RSA retail savings bonds, for example? You know, and I've got the website open now. You look at the sort of rates you get over a fixed term because obviously this is a fixed term investment. You know, that is investing basically in the South African government. You're getting an interest rate, but that is directly linked to where prevailing interest rates are at the end of the day. So, you know, when rates are lower, that's less attractive. When rates are higher, it's arguably more attractive. There's inflation linked options. You know, this is giving, I suppose, relatively similar returns. Uh, you got to think about the tax for your own, you know, circumstances because this is coming back to you as income tax with a capital loss at the end, which you, you know, would possibly be able to use against other capital gains in your portfolio. Uh, so, so I think it's a slight correction there is it's not a capital loss at the end. If you, in fact, you can, you, you, when you're buying an asset is actually when you have your capital expense. So you can actually write off that capital depending on the asset either accelerated through something like 12B, right, or relatively quickly over the beginning of the asset. So you're actually getting a tax benefit on many of these products. It's, it's, not, a, it's, not, it's not at the end, it's actually close at the beginning, um, with the treatment being different depending on the exact asset, etc. And as I say, we do send our tax packs to sort of guide people with that. If you look at something like um, retail savings bonds, I mean, it's amazing that things like retail savings bonds compete at all with um, private capital, but they do these days. Yeah, we, we you know, we obviously uh, compete in, uh, you know, an, an open market, which now includes things like retail savings bonds. And we always like to make sure we right up at the top, you know, so um, we watch it very closely and, 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 and try and make sure we very, very competitive. And I like the fact that there's exposure to food inflation. I think, you know what as well is at the end of the day, it's such an important point in a country that has such a poor savings culture. I think we can't discount, and you mentioned it earlier with your kids, you would have a tough time getting them excited about buying an RSA savings bond. You, it, it's not going to happen. But I can completely understand them getting excited about owning a beehive, right? I mean, that's just cool. You know, there's an element of this where it's behavioral finance. It encourages you to say, you know what? You've got an extra 500 bucks this month. Like, put it away, you know, go and invest in something. Yeah, I, th I think one of the other things that we realized is that uh, if you look at most of your audience, they're probably fairly sophisticated investors. This is, this is not a show that, uh, you know, people are listening to uh, who know nothing about investments. Uh, but the truth is that most of South Africa is not sophisticated investors. And one of the other things we really try to tackle was to simplify investments. So, you know, I try to explain to my children, how does this work? Well, you essentially are buying a tree that you're putting on a farmer's land or you're buying a solar panel that you're putting on someone's building. And he waters it and, uh, you know, various different things happen. And eventually there's some fruit and then that fruit gets sold and then the farmer gets paid and the landowner gets paid and you get paid. 
And if you open up the Impact Farming app, having bought some product, what you'll actually see is every single site that you want. So this is this is not theoretically in a fund. You will literally see, oh, I bought blueberries on this farm. I bought macadamias on this farm. I have 17 trees here. I have 97 trees here, and I have 83 solar panels. And you, you literally will see site by site the rands and cents that you're getting paid into your wallet, the percentage that that ends up being in terms of the returns. And then if you scroll down to the bottom of, of the screen of your portfolio, you'll see what we call My Impact. And on there, you'll actually start to see the the non-financial side of what you're doing. How many bees have I housed? How many flowers have we visited? How many light bulbs are powered? What CO2 have we removed? So you, you're now not just buying some retail savings bond that you never see, that you don't really know what's going on. You literally understand how much money you're making and the difference that you're making, including job hours created. Um, it's a, quite an amazing thing. If I look at my own personal portfolio, I can see how many hours I've created in terms of the work I've done. And for those that are actually less interested in the profits and more interested in the impact, we've actually got a donations product as well. So you can actually go and pay 15 rand to keep one kilogram of plastic from reaching our seas. So we've actually got, uh, uh, you know, through the exact same model, partners of ours, Litterboom, who put these booms across rivers and they, they employ full-time people who literally go and um, scrape the plastic out of the rivers, separate it properly, put it into proper recycling. And because of the mechanism we've used, we, we, we measure everything. It's not, it's not theoretically how much honey is there. It's not theoretically how many kilograms of blueberries are there. It's actual kilograms uh, of, of blueberries, of, of honey, or of plastic out of rivers. You can actually start to say, oh, I have for 15 rand taken a kilogram of plastic prevented from getting to season made sure this process properly fantastic it really really is interesting and you know a lot of it comes down to minimums as well i was just looking now on the rsa savings bond side the minimums are higher than some of your products i think yep yeah, you made a great point earlier like it's amazing the government capital is competing with private capital it tells you everything about the risk rating on government <laughs> that's about it really look one of the other items i always say to people is if you're really wanting to put your money where your mouth is where do you feel your capital is well deployed? Yeah, and that's a no-brainer, let's be honest. So, you know, like if, if you're going to get the same interest rates, would you prefer it to go into Fed Group and what we're doing, a competitor of ours, or any other person in this open economy? Yes, or the, or the government, because we know how much excellent work they do, but I, I can say that, maybe you can't. Grant, I think there's an enormous amount of interesting stuff here, and I guess... I just want to bring us back to maybe understanding something important about the theory behind this as we reach the end of the show, and that is the correlation with other stuff in people's portfolios. So that's where alternative assets are really interesting, right? Is markets go up, markets go down, interest rates go up, interest rates go down. You know, that's why I was asking you if there's a direct link to yield. Is it is it priced off a curve? It's not. You know, this is positively correlated to food inflation. You know, if you think the grocery stocks in your portfolio are positively correlated to food inflation, you might want to open up your portfolio and see what those share prices have done. It's very, very hard to get that exposure. This is something different. It's completely different, you know, and it's returning 10% to 12%, and it's different to everything else in your portfolio. And I guess I just want to raise that as something for people to think about. It's something I think about a lot. Is alternative assets are interesting, and the name is important. They are an alternative. They are something different to your equities, your fixed income stuff in your portfolio, buying gold, which doesn't give you any kind of yield. 
you know, that's why people have historically bought gold is because it's supposedly doesn't have a lot of correlation. I tend to agree. I don't know what gold does. No one really knows. Hence, it's uncorrelated. You know, you can tell I've been on the wrong side of gold a few times. But are those the kind of conversations you guys are having with clients at the end of the days? You know, consider this as part of something broader. You know, don't literally go put all your money in blueberries. Yeah, so I, I think that's exactly it. So I think some of the um, fundamental investment concepts are, as a young child, I was taught about compounding interest, right, or compounding returns. And when you have uh, something that is just constantly adding, I mean, we, as I say, in 32 years, in our secured investment products, for example, we've never lost capital and we've never not returned what we said we were going to return. And this product is aiming at trying to do that type of thing. It's aiming at trying to invest in things. Of, you know, agriculture is often scary. But if you go into a diversified, you know, it's, it's scary if you want to go and build your own farm and put 50 million rand of your own investment into one asset. That's pretty scary. But if you can go and diversify as a second concept with regards to investing and say, well, let me buy a little bit of solar and let me buy a little bit of uh, blueberries and let me put a little bit of macadamias here and a little bit of bees, etc. You, you suddenly are sort of diversified across the country, diversified in terms of various different um, risk factors, uh, various different weather patterns, you name it. And if, if over time you're not pulling this money out, you're just slowly getting a return, you're getting that, that compounding effect, and you're not getting as much sentiment. You know, many stocks are just sentiment driven. This is really driven by fundamentals. And when people need to eat and, uh, yeah, the physical world, we maintain the physical world, uh, will continue to give good returns, but not not everyone, you know, like, again, it's like you don't choose anyone to look after your, your equities. You choose specialists. And this is where we've chosen to specialize. Yeah, this is sediment, not sentiment. This is all about agriculture and the ground, right? And not the way markets are moving. Sediment, not sentiment. I'll let you, I'll right. let you use it, Grant. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, it's good. It's a soundbite. Uh, there we go. So, Grant, thank you. I think this has been incredibly insightful. I've always, as I say, I've, I've been looking from the outside of what Fed Group is doing in the space. I think it's really interesting. I think in, in finishing off the show, because we've been through a lot, it's a lot for people to take in. They need to now go do their research, right? So where would you send them on the Fed Group website? Do they, should they go straight to their app store, go to the website? What works well? Oh, so I think, I think two routes. One is for those that work through a financial advisor, we, we have a, a really good uh, reputation working through great financial advisors. And if you need advice, either contact us and we'll help you get a financial advisor. For those who are, who are more comfortable investing and understand what they want, I would start with the app. Actually, go and download the Fed Group app. It's available in the, the various app stores. And we've really tried to simplify the concept. So on every single product, you can actually go and see uh, simplified fact sheets. You can't go and get proper, more complex fact sheets, uh, you know, which will ultimately drive you into the, the website, etc. There are explainer videos. Uh, as I said, my children invest their own money in, in, in our impact type of products, but also in our other products, you know, money markets alike. They run their own little portfolios. Uh, their money does not go into banks anymore. It goes into this. When they need money uh, into banks, they reverse it out of this back into their, their, their bank accounts and go and spend money. I push all their pocket money straight into a wallet and they choose how they want to invest their money. If it's simple enough for children, it's simple enough for all of your viewers for sure. Grant, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. So that's Grant Field, CEO of Fed Group. I'm assuming people can find you on LinkedIn. Grant, Twitter, where should they connect? LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, Instagram and all, all of the above. But yeah. any, any advisors listening to this who want to chat to you, there we go. Yeah, that'd be great. That's thank where you. they can find you. Fantastic. Grant, thank you so much. 
I look forward to uh, seeing how this all develops and thank you for uh, your interest in Ghostmail and yeah, to the listeners, check it out. This is really interesting. It's something different. Grant, cheers. Thank you. Cheers.